This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. There are agendas there if anyone hasn't got them. There's also copies of the annual report. And, and the manifestos. So that's over there. Um, just briefly, we've had one apology from the board. It's David Johnson, who is unavoidably detained. And, so, and Stuart, I think Stuart, is Stuart coming? He's, oh, OK, I, I thought he was, but OK. I apologise. And in that case, Stuart, Stuart Kinner, our treasurer, won't, won't be here either. Um, I think most of you know me. I'm, I'm Tim Rolls. I'm the chair. We have Paul Jeffrey, who's the secretary, David Chidgey, who does media, Ross Mooring, who does social media. If people just stand up so people, when there are questions, Cliff, Cliff Auger, who does a lot of community stuff. I can't stand up. Ian Roger, who's doing a lot of the atmosphere stuff. Vice Chair, Neil Beard, looking around the rest of the room. Theresa, Theresa McGee, Celia Mendelssohn, and is there anyone I've missed? Jules, sorry, mate. Jules, who's taking photographs and was until recently our fans forum rep. Okay. Um, the first item then is the chairman's report. Now, I apologise that this only came out on Friday. Getting accounts signed isn't necessarily that easy, and for various reasons, the annual report was drafted rather later than we'd hoped. So it was sent out on Friday afternoon, early evening, I think. Evening, and if people haven't had a chance to read it, I'm not proposing to read the whole thing out, but I will go through. And what I'd like to do is take questions sort of section by section rather than storm up to the end. So when we talk about the stadium, people may well have comments. I'd rather take them then rather than store them till the end. Now, obviously, a number of the motions from the board are on the same issues as are in the annual report. I'd rather, if we have the debate and the points made during the um, chairman's report, and then hopefully people won't feel the need to repeat themselves when we do the, uh, do the motions. Okay, so the, the first part of the report is just what we are. The guiding principles, principal aims and responsibilities are unchanged. Yep. Um, the annual accounts at the back, I mean, Stuart isn't here. I'd like to thank Stuart, because producing these, we, we have a, an examiner. We don't have to have fully audited accounts, but we do have an examiner. Stuart's... The, um, the guy who's done the work has, has done it free of charge. Sudhir Rad Rawal is a business colleague of Stuart's. 
He's done this now. The second year he's done it. He's done it for, for nothing, which we're obviously very grateful for. Um, now, I'm not proposing... If people have questions, we can take them and Stuart will come back on them. Um, and if you have questions, that, that when you read, if you read them afterwards, email them in to us and we will go back on them. The point that's worth making in terms of the figures is that the, the 2014 figure is for t over two years. It's for the, from when we first had the, the rather chaotic launch meeting with Kerry Dixon right through until May 2014. Uh, and it's only... The, the 2015 figures are for 12 months. That's why the revenue is down, and that's why the, um, some of the, the spend is, is lower. I mean, I, I've been through it with Stuart. Paul's looked at it as well. I don't think there's anything... I mean, to be honest, the turnover isn't big enough for there to be anything massively anonymous. But if people do have questions, we're welcome to take them, take them by email. One of the motions, obviously, is for the approval of the accounts, which is one of the reasons we have to have this meeting today, is to formally to formally approve the accounts. But, I mean, I mean, one comment we would have, there is a surplus of over 5,400, which is actually now higher. Um, and our view is that that should be maintained because we may need to have a fighting fund if something happened and we had to take legal advice or were necessary for us to do stuff in a hurry. It's obviously better to have some money in the bank rather than to be chasing around try, trying to raise money to, to pay for something. We, we do keep it monitored. We do discuss at board meetings whether it's appropriate to maybe make changes to the membership fee structure. We don't see that at the time, this time, but we may, we, we may change that going forward. Membership is up um, about 1,000 on, on the year through memberships and affiliations. Thanks to Ross, we're now over 10,000 Twitter followers, which I think is about 4,000 up on last year, and Facebook is up from 1,700 to nearly 4,200 followers. And, I mean, I don't use Facebook much, but it's, it's clear looking at it that the, the stuff we put up does get interaction, it does get shared, and certainly on Twitter. I think, you know, the way that Ross has sort of proactively put stuff out there um, has, has meant that we do get retweeted. The journalists do interact with us. They do retweet what we put out. So we are getting a voice out there on, on social media. Okay, right. Progress on board motions. The first one is the future of Stamford Bridge. I sat here 12 months ago and said, this study, it'd be nice if something came out. Well, something has come out. And I think I would expect that most people in this room probably went to the um, exhibition, sort of open day, that the club rang end of, July, end of June, early July. Now, you know, obviously, a lot of work has taken place. It seems very professional. The stakeholder engagement appears to have been exceptional from what, from what I can see. But rather than me just talk about it, I think what would be good is if those of you who've seen it, those of you who have got any points, any comments you'd like to make, there's two reasons for this. One is, you know, we will, over time, feed back to the club. And secondly, I think it's just a good chance for people to air their views on what they saw, any concerns they've got, anything they thought that was particularly positive. So... This is probably the most important item facing Chelsea supporters for the next five years or so. So I think I'd like to throw it out to the floor and give people a chance to make any comments and any views they've got. We do have Charles Rose from the Chelsea Pitch Owners Board who will talk, if there's any Chelsea Pitch Owners issues, we'll cover that. And we'll also talk in the motion about CPO. We'll, we'll talk about that then. But we do have someone from CPO. So if there's any questions on that, they'll be taken by Charles rather than by the, the Trust Board. But I'd like it 
throw this one out to the floor. Hang on, before you do that, if anybody from the floor does want to speak, can you yep. put your hand up and I'll come and find you with this Microphone mic. protocol, sorry. Yeah. Okay. Cliff. And I'm Mike Tim, speaking <laughs> for the mic. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, um, with the um, Stanford Bridge redevelopment now, taking a further step forward and, and apparently there are planning applications going in at the moment as well. Uh, Ross has highlighted to us that one has gone in uh, at the beginning of August, but I think it's just a preliminary one. But my, my, my point is that on a wider issue, I think, with the, as I say, with the redevelopment now, more or less definitely going to happen at some point, I think we really need to push about ticketing with this. As far as I'm aware, every new stadium that has been built in this country, there has never been a reduction in ticket prices. So with a new TV deal kicking in next year, I think it's fundamental that we, we pursue ticket prices within that for next season, but definitely within the new stadium that we need to push for, for a, a fairer ticketing pricing scheme with young people predominantly involved in that to encourage them to come and also that it doesn't go through the roof like it did at the Emirates when, when Arsenal moved from, I think, I think we used to pay 35 quid at, at the school end, uh, uh, the clock end at Highbury and now we pay 64 or whatever it is, ridiculous amount. So I think it's something we really need to push for regarding and I think that's the biggest issue that affects us going into a new stadium, not where, who sits where we want it. We want my. I want my seat. I've sat in the Matthew Harding upper for the last twenty years. I want it the same seat in the new ground. Ticketing prices, in my opinion, is fundamental. Okay. Thanks, Cliff. Wayne. Yeah. Yeah. Just. To, just to add to that, totally agree with what uh, what Cliff said. Um, as far as pricing goes, I mean. Some of us, you know, I mean, speaking selfishly, I can probably afford the current prices. I wouldn't want prices to go up. I think the most important thing is that in a new stadium that there are affordable tickets. I think that's, that's, that's my personal opinion, that there should be maybe five, ten thousand 10,000 tickets set aside each week and maybe, maybe the low down behind the goals or whatever, where people, you know, people can afford to stand, maybe, because that's another thing, that's another issue. Is there going to be, mm -hmm. um, are they going to be looking at, you know, bringing in safe standing areas in, in the new stadium? I mean, my understanding is that the ground will be such that safe, safe standing could be Im implemented if it was, you know, applicable at the time, if it had been okayed by the various statutory bodies, that then, then they would certainly do that. I mean, in, in terms of, ticket pricing. I think Cliff's right. It's, it is a constant disappointment when you go to a new ground to find it's actually more expensive rather than less and you get all these wise words. I think what might be different at Chelsea is the fact that there's a lot of figures we saw for, for corporates. Is, is up to 15,000 was a figure I saw or heard, but they're at the side. They're not at the ends. So the ends will, unlike at high, uh, sorry, the Emirates and, and uh, at other grounds, there will be the opportunity to, to do more at the, at the ends. And to be honest, you know, if I put my old school hat on, I'd rather than no corporates at all. But if they're going to be paying top dollar, that really does give the club a chance to, to, to bring in affordable ticketing for young people, for people who simply cannot afford to, who've been priced out of going to Chelsea. So I, I agree completely, Wayne. Richard. This is Richard Weeks from... Shed. Have you rebadged Shed End Atmosphere, Richard? Is it still... We are the Shed. We are the shed. 
So the, the, the banner yesterday was uh, gentleman and his colleagues. It's <laughs> um, a formal meeting. Sorry, Richard. Sorry. Supporters. Yeah. Um, I forgot what I was going to say now. Oh no, it was about the new stadium thing. It was about. <laughs> it was about the new stadium. Um, my main my main concern is the allocation of the away fans, or one of the main concerns. Uh, I seem to be under the impression they're going to be still in the shed. Um, one of the reasons I've heard is because they don't want to put them above corporates on either side, and also the exit onto Fulham Road. Um, if it's true they're still going to be in the shed, I don't understand why there's not the possibility to put them in either east or west lower, because um, the exits still come out onto Fulham Road. If their argument is purely based on you know, fans coming out onto Fulham Road. I'd much rather they not put them in the shed. <laughs> yeah, D- Dan, I mean, okay, the same point. I mean, there'd be others probably know more than me. Is, is this sort of stuff in tablets of stone? Presumably it's not, because we are in very early days, aren't we? So. Sorry, Dan, were you going to make a, another point? Sorry, I, I, cut, I cut across you, you know. But, you know... You go to some grounds and they're they're up in the gods. There's no, there's no perfect place to put them, to be honest. But I do, I do I do take your point. But they're less likely to put them at the sides. I would have thought, Cliff, because that's where the corporates are going to be. So I think obviously obviously for security issues in inverted commas as well, they tend to put them uh, at certainly at Stamford Bridge where it's easier for them to be stewarded and policed and and get them away quicker from the ground, basically. Um, I could take, fully take Richard's point about the, the shed, and especially uh, my understanding is the, 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 the main new exit from the new Stamford Bridge is going to be into Fulham Broadway Station from the north-west side of the ground. It's, it'll be a direct access from there to, to Fulham Broadway Station. So arguably the away fans would then have to traipse all the way around the stadium to get to that access to Fulham Broadway Station, which seems a little bit... Yeah. Dicey, I, w- I would say. Um, so I, I, I think it's probably quite fluid where they put them, but I can, th- I think we can safely say that they won't put them on the west or the east side simply because th- of the corporate angle. M- Martin, sorry, ch- sorry, Charles. Oh, I, don't, I didn't see. Sorry, do Martin and Charles. Yeah. yeah. I'm looking at the plans, I was just a bit puzzled that um, there's no provision for an exit out towards West Brompton. Seemingly, that was the whole issue with extending the capacity, was need for a separate exit, and they haven't done that. So, any thoughts on that at all? I did ask this question about the the so-called walkway to West Brompton, and and while they're enclosing the railway behind the east stand, I thought it would have kind of made sense to enclose the railway all the way down to West Brompton, so you had the option of a of another pedestrian route out onto, I think it's Lily Road down that end. But apparently, I was told that there was a cost implication. Um, it doesn't obviously it doesn't come under the remit of the stadium footprint, so anything going down there would have to be costed by maybe Capco, who are doing the Earls Court development. They might join in because it would be good for their residents. The new development at Seagrave Road, it, it might help the people there who live there. It would uh, cut down on the railway noise for them as well. So I think, I, I genuinely think it will 
will come about, but how and who pays for it remains to be seen. Because, you know, some months ago, if not a year or so ago, there was talk that the, the mayor's office, or whatever Boris's outfit are called these days, were going to run a cycle path walkway from Shepherd's Bush right down to Imperial Wharf along the railway line. Well, if you do that, then obviously you just take people out of Stamford Bridge onto that. And the great advantage, obviously, is that people get out at Earl's Court. So the over-congested Earl's Court to Fulham Broadway uh, would would be a lot less busy. So there, there's a lot of, you know, sort of obvious benefit. Charles, sorry. Um, can I just comment on a couple of those issues that you that folks have raised? Can I just talk about the away fans? My understanding from discussing um, all of these aspects with the consultancy firm that are undertaking this particular exercise is that the away fans are going to go through the Bovril entrance and that's going to be purely for them. So that will actually take them away from the uh, current congestion that you find over in this corner just going into the stand. Um, my understanding is that they're not going to get any, any sort of prime view as far as that's concerned. It is going to be tucked away and they have considered this quite carefully. Um, the other points that I uh, just thought of making also is in relation to ticket pricing is the idea that 5,000 tickets are going to be made available specifically for young fans and also for fans locally, which I gather is something that Chelsea are concerned about. So that's something I think that um, I have gleaned from the particular discussions that have been had. Um, The subject of disabled fans, I note, hasn't come up today. Uh, It was certainly something that we raised with them. And if you saw the publicity surrounding disabled fans and the number that we've got at the bridge at the moment, we are woefully short of our legal obligation in terms of disabled fans. And those plans for the new stadium, if that comes about, are that disabled fans will... Not only will we have um, enough spaces to fulfill our legal obligation and more, but that those disabled fans will also be given a decent view. And that is something that um, I think that disabled fans up and down the country uh, would recognise as a problem, that they and their carers are quite often stuffed away in poor corners of the ground, in, in areas that may well be adjacent to away fans and therefore they have specific problems with people standing. So there is that aspect to it. Um, and from what I saw of the plans and from the discussions that um, I had during the consultations, they have thought of an awful lot of these details. Um, and I would say to all of us in CST, that that, those are the sort of issues that we should be pressing them on to in order to gain clarity and to put our weight behind some of those things that perhaps um, other fans would only dream of. Okay, thank you. Wayne? Uh, Hi again. Um, It's just a point that I brought up the last time I was at a meeting about the away fans. I mean, I keep hearing this all the time about you know, the concern about where they're going to be. I think we need to take, take a look at the big picture because we are, part, we are Chelsea Supporters Trust and we're part of a national group of fans. And I think away fans deserve a decent uh, view in, in a stadium. We are all away fans. I know most of us here are probably away season ticket holders. So we travel the left length and breadth of the, com- of the country following Chelsea. And I think it's only fair that we have a, a decent view. I mean, our money counts the same as, um, as the home fans when we go away. So I don't think we should be 
looking to make things difficult or more unpleasant for, um, for the away fans. I mean, I, I don't think there's going to be any poor views in the ground. I just don't think they're going to get a, a, a prime view. And uh, to be honest, I'm, I'm racking my brains. If there's other away fans here, there's, there's few grounds in the, in the league where we get what I would call a prime view. I mean, unless you like looking over the, the city of Newcastle from a sort of... Well, <laughs> I, 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 I agree. There's yeah. a, it's, it's very... Everywhere you go, there's, yeah. a, there's a broad, you know, sort of... Uh, well, there are many, many different experiences. I mean, Aston Villa, Aston Villa, we went from arguably the worst away seats in the country to, to probably the best. <laughs> I mean, perhaps we could move you know, on from, from the point of view of someone of Park, yeah. wanting to watch the game yeah, and having yeah. a good view. Yeah. We did. Mm-hmm. Others maybe have an opinion that they prefer to be low down behind the goal where they can mm-hmm. be shouting and screaming. I don't know, but I just think we need to see away fans uh, as equals to home fans, really, in any stadium. And I think we should be doing that nationally. So if we, so if there are other other clubs where they're sticking us in really bad. Um, positions in the stadium I think we should we should be trying to address that through uh, the supporters trust for that particular club for them to take it up with their with their club well, we, we have I mean as Cliff will know that we, when there's been issues with away fans in our in Chelsea we've sort of tried to broker meetings between that particular trust and the Chelsea safety and security people so <coughs> Ross you're the yeah, on, on the equality for for away fancing, that has been discussed um, at support. I know at least at supporters direct meetings about everyone, um, all sort of supporters trusts, um, clubbing together to to try and make sure that that away fans at each ground um, get good get good seats and, and not on a sort of tit for tat basis where clubs continually push away supporters away. But there are, there are so many issues going on um, at supporters trust level that I'm not sure how much of priority that is. But that's certainly something we can we can raise again. Yep. I mean, from what I saw, you know, and we all saw it, there didn't appear to be any bad views. You know, it was one of these grounds. I just don't think it's going to be, as I say, I don't, don't think it's going to be a, be a prime view. I mean, one related issue to the whole development is the, t- the temporary home issue. I don't know if anyone's got any points on that. I sense that Teresa has. <laughs> somebody, somebody put their hand up. I couldn't go <laughs> One of the things that concerns me about the temporary relocation of Chelsea Football Club is um, the fact that we are all going to be trekking out somewhere that we're not used to, whether it's Wembley or Twickenham. or <laughs> it, it's, still, it's still a lot further away for most people than yep. Stamford Bridges. And, and to be honest with you, my season ticket in the West Low is £900 at the moment, and I'm not entirely sure I want to be paying £900 for three years for the loss of amenity that we're going to suffer, it's going to probably treble my journey time. You know, so it, it, it'll work. Wembley will work well for people living in North London or Hertfordshire, but if you're living south of the river or in Surrey, it's going to be an absolute nightmare. I, the, 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 the thing about that is wherever we get relocated to isn't going to work for everyone. The people who live in North London will hate going to Twickenham. The people who, who live in South London, Kent, places like that, they'll have, a, have more of a problem with Wembley. But I think that, that the club should be looking not to rip the supporters off while we're away. And also, the other thing is, yesterday was arguably the worst, worst day ever for drinkers in SW6, um, with the news that the Barrow Boy has gone, the Imperial at West Brompton will be finishing on the 19th of September. The Prince of Wales is going as well. And I was... T- 
Yeah, the Wellington's gone. Um, and I was told yesterday that if Chelsea relocates, the CIU and Britannia Road will be closing permanently. And um, I would be interested to hear if the club has any proposals to support businesses while the club are away from Stamford Bridge. Hi, just to throw a bit of a curveball into it. Um, I've got someone who works for, uh, I know someone who works for Newham Council, and I've also been told this from other people, that the Olympic Stadium at Stratford is not out of the equation for Chelsea to move to on a temporary basis. Yeah, mm. I heard that from a completely separate source as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but if you look at it from, um, yeah, not from obviously a, a travel point of view, to, from um, going to East London, but um, the travel connections are very good for Stratford, so it, it's probably, for a lot of people, it might be easier going to Stratford than it is to Twickenham or, or, or Wembley. No, yeah. no, they don't. Karen Brady seems to think that they have the veto over the stadium. They are tenants of the stadium, not the owners. So they do not have a say. You mean the, public, the publicly funded stadium? The publicly funded yeah. stadium, yeah. yeah. Tim, I've, I've, got, yeah. Yep. I've got a question from uh, Mixler, uh, which says, Twickenham or Wembley, higher capacity. Will season tickets and other ticket prices drop when we move? That's a good question. That is a very good question. Well done, Dazza. But... I mean, the point not is... That, not that, does and w- w- When we last, last met with the club, we, we, we raised the point about you know, capacity. But my understanding, and you hear different stories, is that if we had Wembley, you, they can have an unlimited number of events up to 50,000, which means basically the top tier doesn't open. Twickenham, and I still think there were going to be issues about Twickenham, the capacity there is bigger. So it wouldn't be a capacity issue. And even the Olympic Stadium, I think they can have unlimited events. As I, Dan, you may, you may know more about this than, than me, but... It's capacity won't necessarily be the issue. We, they may actually be more capacity than we have at Stamford Bridge. So it would be very interesting to see what they do do with the pricing. But they are pretty clear that we are going to move temporarily. We're not going to do the knock a stand down a time as we did in the uh, in the nineties. So, Martin, yeah. Um, is Twickenham actually practical? Because there'll be a lot of negotiating with the RFU regarding your Winter International Six Nations. And I believe the Premier League are quite strict on home away. So we'd have like a batch of aways and a batch of homes. It might yeah. get a bit messy that way. Is splitting the venues, maybe having some at Wembley, some at well, Twickenham. Been Scudamore considered. spoke completely out of turn and said that you couldn't play in more than one stadium in, within a season. But he wasn't apparently speaking with the approval of the 20 shareholders of the, uh, of the Premier League. So it's not clear what that... It, it, I would have thought it's unlikely they'd want to split it, but I know for a fact that one option at Tottenham is to play their league games at Wembley and their cup ties in Milton Keynes. And that is a serious proposal that, they, that, that Tottenham would split because obviously it's a different competition. So that would be... I mean, we, we talk quite a lot to the Spurs, the Spurs Trust and they are pretty... They're only going to have to move out for one year, but they are pretty unhappy about the way that the club have, have handled it. And they actually said, be interested if we had our AGM. If we had to share Wembley with Tottenham for a year, I mean, we'd both be tenants of the FA, so I don't think there'd be any saying it. I can't see that there'd be a mass kick-up on that, because we, obviously it wouldn't, be, it wouldn't be badged. We wouldn't be playing in a stadium badged as, uh, uh, as Tottenham. But... It, but there are issues about Twickenham, about because I mean I live near there, and you get a six-week, well, three-week period in the um, November and a period in January, February, when there's there's something on on every week. But what I would say 
is that uh, the RFU, like the FA, and indeed Boris Johnson, whoever owns um, uh, Stratford, they're all keen to get money. They, and I, you know, councils, if, if, if Chelsea, and Chelsea have got obviously quite cute at all this, make, have the right conversations and make the right offers to councils, then, uh, you know, it's a short-term pain, long-term gain thing. So I think, I think Cliff's right. I don't think Stratford's out of it at all. We just don't know it. You know, that's what, where the club are trying to negotiate from a position of strength, where Spurs appear to have painted themselves into a corner. But that's, you know, that's the oh way it goes. Oh, dear. Yes, I don't think, yeah. But, you know, at least the club, are, you know, to me, they've said they want to stay at Stamford Bridge, and they've said it will be short-term pain, long-term gain. So we know we're not clear of where we were. If we look at the, the hiatus four years ago with the... Uh, CPO thing and say no CPO and all the kerfuffle. We've moved. The club have moved a long, long way. Now, whether that's when we have meetings with the club, you know, they are far more open, far more positive meetings, and we're not just meeting with them on general things. I mean, we'll talk later about atmosphere. Um, But since the change of regime and the departure of one particular individual and the increased prominence with supporters of another individual, I Bruce Buck. The dialogue does seem more sensible. They do seem to listen to us more. Now, I mean, Charles, it would be interesting from a CPO point of view. Do you find the dialogue more open than it was under Ron Gourlay, or is it much the same? Um, yeah, I'm very happy to answer questions on that. Can I just make one thing plain? I'm here as a member of CST, yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm not representing CPO such as that. I am a, a board member of CPO, so there we go. Um, yes, I think that uh, we certainly have found the cooperation with Chelsea, extremely positive over the last few years. They have been very encouraging towards us in order to um, enable us to, uh, in essence, cover our costs and take forward the whole CPO company um, in order to gain the credibility, both with them and with everybody else. I mean, that's certainly my sense, and there's plenty of other CPO, uh, sorry, CST board members in here I think we'd probably say the same thing. We're getting in through doors. We just weren't getting in a year, 18 months ago. So, right. Is there anything else on the stadium? I mean, if people have, have other views or other questions they'd like to ask, now's a good time to, good time to do it. I mean, I, my understanding, they talked about having more uh, sort of follow-up dialogue session. They talked about September, but I don't know if that's... Yeah. And then given... Consultation. Yeah, consultation. Yeah, okay. So that's good, the fact that they've you know, not just done it once and sort of closed the door, they, they're keeping it going. So that, that has, to be a, has to be a positive. And it's for us, or for the new trust board, to sort of keep an eye on that, as, as Charles says, to make sure we ask the right questions of the right people. We follow up on the issues around disabled. Cliff's point about the young supporters, about the, the, the issue about local supporters, and all these sorts of things, and, and that, that those are followed up. I mean, they're not going to come out with detailed pricing things to the new stadium now, but I think that if we make the point early, they're more, li- you know, more likely to keep it in their minds. And the specific issue raised about pricing in our temporary location is certainly something we need to have to raise with the club and to, to get as part of the dialogue process. But if there's nothing else on the um, stadium, the next thing is on atmosphere. Now, we've got three of our board members, David Johnson, Neil Beard and Ian Roger have had a number of meetings with the club on atmosphere issues. Other groups have as well, including the, the shed and atmosphere as was. We are the shed as is. But if uh, one of you two would just like to sort of cover 
how you think that things have gone over the next, uh, you know, over the last year or so on this issue. Very good. Thanks, Chich. Uh, so we've had six meetings in total with very senior members of the board. Um, very positive meetings. We were asked to present on atmosphere, so we presented uh, to all the senior board members. Very successful meeting. Went on for two hours, the first one, and, and subsequently a couple of hours for the next ones as well. Interestingly, everything that we talked about so far today came up. Prices came up. Um, younger fans getting in came up. Away fans came up. So all those things are open, uh, and they're all out there. We're all talking about them. And the feedback we get as the trust um, matches everything that, that we're hearing today, that there isn't any conflicting view that I've heard, certainly. So we've presented all that to the board. Good news is they want to continue, so we'll continue to have conversations with them, um, probably one coming up fairly soon. Um, and we'll continue to pre present the views of the board. Very interesting one came up on the way fans um, when I asked the board, um, Chelsea board that is, where they think they would go, where they want them to go. And the answer they gave me was as far and as high away from the pitch as possible. So that's an interesting view. And then, then perhaps doesn't <laughs> it, well, it reflects where we end up at the way grounds, and yeah. I think that's only fair. So um, conversations will go on. Feedback is welcome. Um, and they are listening. And the new, the new stadium particularly, uh, they want our input on. So th they're coming up to us actively. Has it improved? Massively. I, I spent many years trying to deal with Ken Bates unsuccessfully. Um, DJ, su DJ sued him successfully. That didn't help us very much <laughs> as well. Um, Rongole, equally very close in these views. Yep. Bruce Buck, much more open to we all know. Yep. So, yeah, very positive, going well. Okay. And, you know, the, the, some of the displays at the end of last season and the work that's been done, I just think generally it's, sort of, it's heightened things. I mean, you'll never get it perfect. And I think, you know, the new stadium is the big opportunity, but I think things have, have made a difference in the last year. Celia? that's been working with the club on the atmosphere I think it, it has improved and the displays before games and everything have been fantastic, I really like those um, I would like to complain about the celebrations at the end of last yep. season um, when the, the, there were a lot of wives and girlfriends strutting around the pitch, the players spent all their time up at the Matthew Harding end some of us sit in other parts of the ground um, you know I wanted to get down and go to the yep. pub um, and, and if there's anything that we can mention, if we could mention that to well, the club. It, it has been if raised. We win, but if it, it, we Ian, win anything in the yeah. future. Ian, do you want to <laughs> pick up on that particular point? Yeah, just to say on that point, Celia, um, you're absolutely right. Certainly for, for, for Shed End season ticket holders like ourselves um, and others, uh, I thought it was very badly handled. I think they need to do the parade as well uh, in, in a much more professional way. So to that end, um, I wrote to Bruce Buck and Simon Hunter, who will know as the sort of the head of brand, the head of venue, if you like, at Chelsea, uh, and got a, a, good, a good answer, which was simply points made, taken on board. We will do this a lot better um, in a few months' time when we win again. Uh, but uh, it, it was very, very poorly done. It seemed to be simply for the benefit of uh, the wives and the girlfriends and the TV cameras. And uh, if you're at the Matthew Harding end, happy days. But uh, the other f three sides of the ground, you know, very badly served. So I think we need to celebrate it in a much more uh, professional way. Okay. And inclusive way. Inclusive yeah. way. Okay. No complaints from me there. The... The next issue, uh, just update on ticketing and supporter issues. I mean, the club froze ticket prices, but as we know, the big challenge was 
a big opportunity. The t new TV deal kicks in in 12 months' time. Even more torrents of money will come flowing into the club coffers, not just Chelsea, but, but all the clubs. And the key challenge, I think, for the new board is to work with the other Premier League trusts around a, a proper concerted campaign around ticket pricing for the season after next when the, when the new money comes in. Now, Chelsea may say, oh, we'll, we'll wait until the, the, the new stadium, but there, there clearly is an awful lot more money. I mean, Chelsea, to their credit, have the subsidy of away travel and the number of away cheaper tickets this season out is, is greater than they're spending more on that than, than any other club. But that, frankly, is very welcome. It's a drop in the ocean compared with what there actually is is out there. And I think that's a big challenge. And I think we, uh, Cliff and myself, went to a national conference in, uh, in Manchester last month. And it's, it's fair to say it's the number one issue. There are issues like the stadium that are Chelsea-specific, or a lot of the, the aspects are Chelsea-specific. And there are issues that clearly are much wider. And ticketing is one that is certainly much wider. So I would expect there to be meetings, there to be campaigns. There's talk of a, an event, is it the 3rd and 4th of October, when we've got Southampton at home with sort of demonstrations in each ground. We'll have to work out, well, the new board will have to work out what our response to that is. But it's clear, and the, the me it's interesting, the media, I mean, they, they criticise the Premier League, and this, but they are actually quite supportive of support. You know, some of the better journalists, some of the more engaged journalists, are very supportive of the fact that people have been priced out. All this money swirls around. It goes to players, it goes to agents. John Joe Selvey pays his cook £65,000 a year, I read in the paper yesterday, because he can, because he earns thirty or £40,000 a week. Meanwhile, people have been priced out of football because they simply cannot afford to go. So there is something wrong. It will be wronger in 12 months' time, and I would hope that we, we, we can do something about it. The, the Premier League and the, the clubs sometimes say, oh, it's the Premier League, the Premier League sometimes say it's down to the clubs. But I think there is an opportunity to do something, how successful it will be, but it's certainly an opportunity to work on that, as there is on the pricing of away tickets, you know, the 2020 campaign. I think some of us have reservations about that, and when Celia talks about the survey, that, 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 that came up. But there are certainly issues about the categorisation of matches. We pay top dollar in every away ground we go to because we are Chelsea, as Manchester United do, as Liverpool do. If you happen to support Swansea or Stoke or West Brom, often you're paying just over half what we're paying. And that, to me, is wrong. Cliff. Just touching on a couple of those items, interestingly, Swansea have subsidised their away tickets for all the games this season. They pay no more than 22 quid for, for every away game they go to. And rather disappointingly yesterday, they didn't sell out. They were about a 1,000 short, you know, and that's a 1,000 seats that could have gone to Chelsea fans. Um, so I don't quite know what, what more they can do, basically, rather than, other than go around and pick every individual fan up from their houses and bring them <laughs> to the ground. But, uh, yeah, but I, I, I mean, first game of the season, good weather, good weekend away in London. You know, I, I would have thought they would have sold out their allocation. And I, I, thinking back in the past, when they've had to pay normal prices, I think they have. Not every game, they've, t they've taken a smaller allocation a lot of the time, but, but once or twice they've sold out the full allocation. But a reservation that I've always had with the 2020 campaign is is maybe it's a bit narrow, the remit of that. I, I personally think that ticket prices are too high 
full stop. Not just for away fans, but every fan. So um, I, I think there may be a danger that if we campaign to get 2020 in and, and, and the Premier League clubs implement it, and then we start saying, well, we want cheaper home price tickets as well. They say, well, hold on, we've just given you 20 quid tickets for away fans. What, you know, what more do you want, sort of thing? And to be fair to Chelsea, they, they have spent last year, um, they were asked by the Premier League, every club were asked by the Premier League to spend £200,000 on the away fans initiative. It's not Premier League money, it's individual clubs' money from the TV deal. There's not some great big pot that the Premier League have got that they hand out. It's, it comes from individual clubs' budgets. Some have spent a lot. Others have spent hardly anything. Some have spent it on ticket reductions. Some have spent it on painting the toilets in the away fans' enclosure, things like that. Chelsea, to be fair, I think last year it was 450000 they spent on various initiatives, um, ticket subsidies, away match travel, um, and things like that. Um, so you could argue that the balance is good at Chelsea. They're helping, especially with the trains to some away grounds. People can get to these grounds and back home again, where, whereas in the past they might not have been able to go full stop. And it's quite heart, uh, heartening to see Tim, Tim will back me up on this. Sometimes when we go on the special trains, there are a lot of young people on there who, who would not have been able to go to those games if they hadn't have got a £10 train. So I think Chelsea have got a good balance between um, ticket initiatives and travel initiatives. It's not going to suit everyone, but it is going to suit, hopefully, a majority of those 3,000 that we get for away, to, uh, away allocations. OK, thanks, Cliff. Anything, anyone got anything else on ticketing or prices or what have you? West Ham are winning 2-0 and Czech... Czech apparently has made two errors, so I believe. Three. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> Tim, I yep. just got some more feedback. Yep. Hang on. Sorry. Got some more feedback from Mixler and uh, Dazza again. Actually said the funded trains are great, so yep. I would imagine he's making use of them. It's good. good. Yep. It is, it is good that they're doing it. It's, in, it's also what's happened is that other trusts, and after knowing what Chelsea are doing, putting more pressure on their clubs to run trains. So it does actually... You, you end up with the best in class where people are trying to sort of compete, which is a good thing. But the next thing is the membership of the Hammersmith and Fulham Safety Advisory Group. Now, we talked about this last year, and this is a group that the police, the club, the fire service, British Transport Police, the council, all sorts of people attend to talk about Chelsea safety and security. Yeah. Oh, no. Ticket tax is 4.4.1. I'm going through the... Oh, well, I think it's fine. Yeah. Oh, I'm just going for, through the motion. No, no, we're, on, we're going through the annual reports. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, we're on 4.3.4. Sorry, Cliff. On the uh, annual report, yeah. Right. Now, we talked to the club, and they said, for confidentiality reasons, they don't see that there should be support or representation on the safety advisory group. We disagree with that fundamentally. So... We talked to the local police, matchday commander, who, who addressed us a couple of meetings ago. He had no problem. Spoke to the British Transport Police. They have no problem. We spoke to Cathy Long from the Premier League. She has no problem. So my sense is, and I'm sure Cliff will back me up on this because it's a hobby horse of his, that it's actually one or two individuals in the Chelsea Security Department that don't want us there. If there's a really confidential issue, they would, we, you could always step out for, for sort of five, ten minutes. But now that we've got the police v 
vocally and publicly on board, we're going to go back to the, we're going to go to the council, and hopefully they will override the club objections. Because to, to exclude Crystal Palace, go to theirs for example. Other other clubs do. Other clubs are trying. It, it seems to me nonsensical to discuss issues relating to the safety and security of supporters without talking to supporters. So I think you can take it as read that we will refight this battle this year and rather than trying to change the club's mind, I think we've got enough other stakeholders on board that we will ignore the club's hopefully ignore the club's view and go to go to the council and try and try and change that position. Yep. Um, it is in the gift of the council yep. to, to have people on board. So it's not, even if there are objections from one or two people in the security office at Chelsea, it's not their gift to, to give it. So there are police representation on there, there are ambulance representation on there, fire brigade, local councillors, um, Chelsea Football Club, Uncle Tom Cobley and all are the supporters so why the hell shouldn't we have representation on there they're talking about stuff that directly affects the supporters going to and from matches inside the stadium and everything why can't we have a voice on there because we're now in the ironic position where a number of uh, trust board members attended a meeting with other supporters groups with the Metropolitan Police, London British Transport Police, talking through a number of issues. Very, very good dialogue, you know, interest, some interesting points made. Talked about ticket touting, talked about policing of mainline stations when there's more than one set of supporters going through. All these sorts of issues. So the police are happy to engage on a professional level. And one of them, it was the chief superintendent or someone, wasn't he? One of the guys. These are senior policemen there. And yet the club see that there's a confidentiality issue in having that dialogue. I, you know, it bewilders me. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. I'd just like to add that the police have started a good dialogue with us over the last few years, but basically it's because they're skint. They, they, they want more self-policing from fans. I think five, six, seven years ago, they wouldn't have spoken as to, to us as freely as they do at the moment. So they're having to cut costs, and if they can, if they can do it by fans policing themselves a bit better at football grounds than they will do so but while we've got this dialogue then it's a good opportunity to take and they do they do consult I, I've personally been to about two or three meetings a season I think at Scotland Yard with them and they've done and they also meet us prior to any major cup finals at Wembley if there's any issues that, that we feel are relevant that we want to bring up so there is a good dialogue, and if anyone else has got amongst the membership has got any issues with policing about us, please let us know, and we'll, we'll bring it to the attention yep. of the Met Metropolitan Police. Because the, the the next point is actually on an issue that is of interest and frustration to the police, which is touting. It'd be fair to say, twelve months ago, it wasn't really raised at the AGM, but it is clearly an issue. This this is mainly from our point of view. I think the the street touting. And from the club's point of view, it's this online fraud where they set up dodgy websites, people send money, print out a receipt, go to the box office for a ticket that doesn't exist. And this happens every week, apparently. But it's the street touting. The police, I mean, when we, after that meeting, we had a conversation with uh, Inspector Brockway on that particular issue. They are keen for us to do this. We talked about a writing campaign, and then the general election sort of got in the way, writing to local councillors and MPs about how unsavoury it is, basically, to have that number of people outside the tube station. And, I, you know, it, yesterday, 
it was as bad as ever. You know, the, the, I mean, the police, have, the club have now finally put up, and Dan put some pictures on Twitter yesterday, they put up signs outside the ground specifically on this issue. And the club, the club are frustrated, the police are frustrated, we're frustrated. It's just, sorry, Dan, you, you got... I, I tweeted a picture yesterday of uh, the new signs which are in English, Japanese and Chinese outside the ground and, and I had to crop the picture because immediately underneath the picture there were three <laughs> tickets out. <laughs> but, you know, it's not going to be solved overnight but the, the club are frustrated, as I say, the police are frustrated, we're frustrated and this is exactly the sort of thing to me the safety advisory group can discuss because all the relevant parties are in that room and yet it doesn't ever seem to have have been raised as an issue I mean as, as Tim says we bought it up with the police there and at Wembley they've got a dispersal order where they can they can disperse any unsavoury figures be they football hooligans or ticket touts from the immediate area of Wembley Stadium within I don't know three miles circumference or something so we were we were keen to to, to ask why that couldn't be done at Stamford Bridge I mean if it can be done at Wembley why can't it be done at any stadium um, the, the local inspector, um, Jim Brockway, um, is looking into it. So hopefully it's something they can do in the future. Uh, Bruce Buck also scribbled down copious notes when we, we told him about it. So hopefully we can get some joy in yep. that in the future. Okay. Martin, and then Dan, sorry. Unfortunately, if there's a dispersal order at Wembley, it didn't work very well, judging by the clown trying to charge two blokes 85 quid for Community Shield tickets last week. Um, and regarding here, we've also got touting freely going up Ifield Road. So it seems like they stopped so far and then go further up. Yeah, it was cool too. Dan. Yeah. I say, what action do the club take when the tickets are sold on? I mean, do they issue bans to the supporters that have sold the tickets on? Well, that, they, that might have an impact if, if they know they're going to get a three-year ban for selling on their tickets. I think Cliff's probably the best place on this one. Thanks. Yeah, unfortunately, that applies. They, they will ban fans who they catch, but that applies to ticket touts and that applies to you or I. If, if you're caught selling them one, one to your mate and the club catch you, they will ban you, even if, if, even if it's for, for face value or less. But as far as I, they're concerned, you're selling on a ticket. So that's why, and especially now with the ticket exchange in place, the, that negates the argument in their favour, if you like, that if you want to sell your ticket on, you do so through the ticket exchange. So if we cut the problem out at source, so the touts can't get hold of the tickets, which is maybe the biggest issue. So if the touts can't get the tickets from the supporters, or they've got multiple memberships, memberships are cancelled, and that limits their ability to pick up tickets and sell them on. But they, they do cancel about three, two or 3,000 3, memberships a year. So they are, they are on it, but it clearly doesn't, doesn't solve. But they, they employ, is it two people full-time on, on, on this stuff, the club, sort of following those up, following up these, closing down these dodgy websites, you know? Literally, the first thing I saw coming up, I was caught yesterday, was about five touts, and then walking down to the ground. And it was yep. Everywhere, even on Wednesday night for Fiorentina, they were they're like rats. Wayne, and then Debbie. 
Um, I'm just wondering if there have, if there's ever been any sort of survey. Chidge. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chich, I'd be bereft, inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep. NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow. Great. Uh, but yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK. And best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy. I could cry. <laughs> Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Done into... Uh, what sort of percentage of tickets end up in the hands of touts every home game? I mean, what sort of numbers are we talking about? Is, is there any idea at all? I'm not aware. With Neil, so we raise this for the club. I think they say it's about five percent fall into the hands of touts. It is quite a lot. One of the things two thousand a game. Yeah. yeah. One idea I had was to, to stop paper tickets, put everything on membership cards or season tickets, because that's what happens to all games, all home games. And then you know, you're less willing to hand over your membership or your season ticket because you're not getting it back. Because yeah. it's notable there are more touts for the cup ties where it's paper tickets for season ticket holders, because obviously the the supply is... To Debbie, and then so there's a couple of people here. Sorry, it's only a quick point. Yeah, yeah. of course you can, yeah. Sorry, just a quick point. Um, outside um, the bridge yesterday, actually outside one of the touting signs, there were plainclothes policemen and they did have some guy in handcuffs, so hopefully they're uh, actually doing something. Probably a supporter. Well, that, that is interesting because we did raise that. Sorry, Celia, you're probably going to write the same point. But, yeah. Yeah. No, you, 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 you. Thank you. Um, we said we, were, we, we did raise the issue of plastic um, tickets with the club, actually, and they... they rejected it more or less out of hand saying that the the issue then would be that people would forge the plastic tickets and they'd be left with the same problems as before so i i don't you know personally i think that it would be a way to do it is to have cards but that yeah. was their response okay well we will re- reiterate that and say that that was the mood of the meeting wayne yeah um i have to say that five percent seems a bit high i 
I personally find it quite difficult to believe that there are two and a half or two thousand tickets, you know, every game uh, being sold on the black market. I mean, you don't see very many empty seats in the stadium. So, and I just, I just can't see that. Yeah, but I just, I can't see that. I mean, I'm, I, I wonder whether they're lumping in people just sort of selling their tickets to a mate, as, as you quite rightly I, said. I, I mean, it's a, yeah. it's a human right to be able to do that. I mean, really. I mean, it is well, for every other event, any, every other yeah. sporting event or entertainment event you go to in the country, it is your right to sell your ticket on. Mm-hmm. Martin, and then Dan, and then we'll maybe, maybe have some sandwiches. Oh, yeah, Sorry. We'll finish. No, we've got we've got to you go through the rest. Of, we'll go through the rest of the annual report, but that won't take long. But yeah, Martin it, and then Dan, and then we'll close this one and move on to the other issues. Is it possible to put um, tickets for cup games on season ticket cards, do it in an le- electronic format rather than paper format? That it would be an yeah. easy anti-tailing yeah. measure. Yeah. Yeah. Just following up what Wayne said about it being a basic human right to pass on a ticket to somebody else. It's interesting that uh, there was somebody at the game yesterday who passed on, picked up a ticket passed on by a friend, Justice Secretary Michael Gove. Um, now, <laughs> presumably he knows a thing or two about human rights and maybe somebody might like to have a word with him. <laughs> Thank you. Right. I just wanted to point out that hang on, hang on. He's not a lawyer, so he doesn't know that it's illegal. Right. Okay. <laughs> Point well made. Just moving on, this won't, won't take long, the rest of the uh, report. <coughs> One thing we did do last year, the Playfair Qatar camp- campaign about the, the appalling treatment of the, the construction workers uh, in Qatar, the way that they, you know, the, the number of fatalities, the way they're treated, the way they have to live. We were the first Premier League trust to, to do an open day with them. They were very grateful. Um, they're now rolling it out with other, with other organisations. They did a uh, presentation at the conference Cliff and I were at, and there is gaining momentum. I personally can't see that they're going to move the World Cup from Qatar, but I do think that it is highlighting the issue and making some dubious people in world football as uncomfortable as they're ever going to be, which probably isn't very uncomfortable, but uh, it, is, it is making the point. It's, something, it's clear that something was very wrong, that something is still very wrong, and you know, we did our bit. Others are doing theirs. Be interesting to see where where all that goes. Just quickly, um, sort of stakeholder engagement. We've carried on. In fact, the meetings with the club have gone up from one or two a year. Well, there's now separate groups meeting, so there are regular. There is regular dialogue with the club. We do take up stuff. That co- obviously, the key one is the annual survey, where they we, we had two hours with them. Celia goes through all the points that were made. We're we, we now in the third year, we'll talk about this, but we can talk about trends. They don't always like what they hear, but they do understand that it does represent a voice of, uh, of, of, of law supporters. They are talking to us about other things. We still have the Fans Forum. I know the cynicism from people like myself about the effectiveness of the Fans Forum. We have a representative on that, and the new board will nominate somebody to be on the, um, on the Fans Forum. And we are... The dialogue with the Premier League Trust... Some of them get, you know, their priorities may be different from ours, but there are, there, most of them are people you can actually have a sensible dialogue with. So, you know, and, and, and long, may that, long may that continue. Membership dialogue, you know, we're committed to uh, three meetings a year plus the, the, the virtual general meeting, which seemed, was pretty good the last one, wasn't it? It had a, 
a lot of interaction with people. Um, the we've had on podcast and and, and live broadcast, so over a thousand people in listening either live or after the event to um, these meetings. We get emails at the time. We get emails follow up. So we we are trying to. It's not easy necessarily to interact with a global membership base, but we do we, we, we do try and make the effort. The SGMs we've had, you know, we had Rick doing a Q, Rick Glanville doing a Q and A at one of them. We had the Metropolitan Police at another one, um, and I think generally, you know, we we carry on with the newsletters. We try not to bombard people. We talked earlier about Twitter and Facebook and our presence on on, on social media. It is. The world has changed. It's not just now about face-to-face meetings because you've got social media, because you've got the, the ability to broadcast and to do podcasts and everything. So it isn't just the 30, 35 people here today. You know, it's the 1,000-plus the, the that will listen to this and, 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 and get engaged on that. And that's the figure that we, we, we talk to the club about that isn't just a, a physical meeting. The days of mass meetings, as they would, would have been 30 or 40 years ago, in large cases, are over unless there's a specific issue that people want to sit around and, and, and talk about. And in, you know, the final point really, the media coverage I think, has, thanks to the efforts of Mr. Chidgey, has been pretty comprehensive. We are the people they tend to come to on issues, certainly around the stadium, around ticketing, not not match stuff, but anything that doesn't relate to, to sort of the games, the games themselves. I mean, it's been an interesting year. I think next year will be interesting because things will f- certainly happen on the stadium. There may be announcements on the temporary home. And the job of the new board is obviously to, to keep an eye on that and to represent the views of the members, to represent the views of people of, of what comes out of the survey. So the, really, in summary, just to say that's what we've done in the last year. We haven't done everything probably that we should have done, but we've, I think we've, we've, we've tried to represent the big issues and represent you as, as best we can. We we have the election, which Paul will talk about shortly. It gives us... We'll, we have had people standing down, which I'll talk about at the, at the end of the meeting. So there will be new people on the board, and sometimes you know you get new energy, new ideas. So I'm, I'm positive about about next year. I think, it's, as I say, it's been an interesting year, and I think next year there will be a lot for the Trust to do, a lot of quite strategic issues for us to address. So that's the annual report. We... We'll come back in a minute and talk about, really about the survey and then about the, about the elections and the motions. But we have sandwiches at the back, arranged by Neil, so it'd be a shame to leave any uneaten. So please tuck in. So we now move on to Celia and the feedback of the results from the survey. Wait until you've got 14 sandwiches, 14 sandwiches on your plate. Yeah. It's all right, I'm going to hold it for you because, oh, you know, you. exactly. <laughs> you're making me laugh now. Um, okay, so hopefully you all, all responded to the survey. Um, we got around about the same number of responses as last year. Just, just a few extra, but we have actually got a lot more members. So in some ways, it was a bit disappointing. I think last year we got about 40% re- response rate. This year it's gone down to 30%. But I think it may be because people feel 
more is going right with the club than than perhaps when we we first started. So we perhaps should perhaps take that as a as a vote of satisfaction. Um, however, it is still a very significant significant um, number of responses. So statistically, so um, we made some changes to the survey this year. So um, people that said that they were non-match goers to save them having to tick knock na for practically every other question. Um, we skipped a whole bunch of questions for those around ticketing, um, but also about the stadium um, because and the atmosphere, because you kind of figure if they're, if they're not coming, then they don't really have that much of a say. Um, we also had a much more detailed section for overseas supporters so we could see what was important for them and um, also how well they thought, how satisfied or dissatisfied they were with, with the, the various aspects. Um, ticket prices remain the top concern. So I was around 41% stating that it's their number one issue for, for of their concerns. Um, and overall, atmosphere and ticket prices got the most number of votes. So if, if you did the survey, if you remember, it was like, what are the top five things that you think are most important, that the club needs to address most importantly right now, then the most votes were, were for atmosphere and ticket prices. Satisfaction with the club board continues to improve. Um, although only 28% and 26% agree that the club is in touch with supporters and that they value matchgoers. And in fact, the, the value of matchgoers has, has gone down from last year. That was around 30% last year. So, so, but that might just be a sort of fluctuation. Um, we're continuing to ask about financial fair play, and I think over half of the people that responded think that is a concern that it'll lead to a monopoly of, of, of the same small number of clubs in Europe just just get even gaining access to the Champions League um, and that it's probably in the not right not the right way to go um, as I said there's general people's concerns are reflected in that there is general dissatisfaction with ticket prices apart for home domestic cup games and the most dissatisfaction is around the cost of away league games. Um, there was a great deal more frustration <laughs> vented about the virtual waiting room this time than there has been in previous <laughs> surveys. I mean, there's always been, you know, sort of low-level hum about it, but um, there, was, there was a great deal <laughs> of venting about that. And I think it is because there seems to have been last year um, in terms of availability of, of tickets because we were successful, because Mourinho is back. I think there was more demand for away tickets than there have been before, more demand from members for home tickets. And so more people are experiencing the delights of the virtual waiting room. Um, we asked about TV money. We had one sort of small question about that last year, which was about... Um, how the club was currently spending the TV money and their own subsidy on, on, on away travel. And 46%, um, so almost half, think the club have it about right, the balance that they have at the moment, between uh, subsidy for away tickets and, and subsidy for away travel. Um, but a third are saying that more should be spent on ticket subsidy. So that's quite interesting. Um, if you recall, we ask you if you 
strongly disagree all the way through to strongly agree. So what we do is create a, a weighted ad average out of these. So it's sort of maximum of maximum score of four. So if it's four, everyone's completely blissfully satisfied with everything. Um, so um, we asked about questions about how the additional TV money should be spent in the future. So support of the, of the Football Supporters Federation, 20 is plenty. Um, that, was, that got a rating of 3.39. So I think we can, we can say that you know, pretty well everybody agrees that, that we should support that. Um, similarly, subsidy of home tickets, um, 3.28. Um, most people agreed ag again with, with, the, with the statement that match categorization disadvantages successful clubs, the way that they price in categories. Um, and then slightly under total agreement was that home supporters should be given, over, given priority over away supporters for um, match day subsidies. So that, was, that came out at 2.57. So I guess you could say people were sort of neutral on that. So um, there, is, there is a slight contradiction in that everybody agrees that the money should be used to subsidize home tickets, but at the same time, it looks like people would rather that it was used to subsidize um, away tickets. Um, there was a lot more comments this year about the restricted availability of juvenile and o OAP, um, OAP tickets, because I think they're only available in East Lower for, for league games. Um, I think that this, this seems to be that it's an, a, a result of increasing the age limit. So while the club are to be applauded for increasing the age limit to 21 for the youth tickets, it does mean that 21-year-olds don't really want to sit with the three- and four-year-olds in East Lower and their mums and dads. So I think it's something that the club need to think about. Um, the new ticket exchange, about 15% of the people that responded have made use of it. Uh, I, I'm not sure how this compares to Viagogo, but I will. I, the last stuff we had from Viagogo, which I think was about two years ago, that was in the survey. So I'll, I'll do a comparison when I do the final report. Um, there is a call for a way and cup tickets to be resold this way. Obviously, logistically, that's not as simple as just reselling season tickets. Um, People did have some, some intelligent issue, you know, raise some, some issues around it, which is that you can only sell single t tickets on it. So if you're looking for two together, it's a problem. Um, and also, they haven't really sorted out, again, the concession tickets. So this whole thing, if you're in the east, east lower stand, you have to have a, a child and an adult ticket as a minimum. So that kind of doesn't, doesn't fit. So they, they obviously need to do a bit of fine-tuning to that. But in general, everyone was very satisfied with it, the people that had used it. Um, we asked how people would, how we could improve the atmosphere. And um, there's continued enthusiasm for safe standing. Um, pricing also came out as, as one of the top views. Um, but also, um, I can't read my writing now. Oh, yes. Uh, relocation of away fans, singing areas, and tourists seems to be more... I mean, it's always come up in all the surveys that we've done is about tourists, but it seems, again, to be more of an issue. It seems to have been raised more this year. Um, and again, I think maybe it is due to, to the even greater popularity of the club. Um, that perhaps we're getting more tourists or maybe the touts are being more successful or I don't know. 
Um, overseas supporters, what we really are, we ask them a really a range of questions, everything from accessibility to broadcast broadcasts of the match, kickoff times, their membership structure, um, they, the, the merchandising stuff, stuff from the megastore. Um, and we asked them, so we were a bit more sensible this time and asked them what was most important to them and also their level of satisfaction with that. Um, so the most important was access to watching the game. And luckily for, for Sky and everybody else, that was also, um, they were very satisfied with that. Um, the biggest issue does seem to be around um, restructuring of membership, where I think they're basically getting, they're paying more but getting less than, than they were a couple of years ago. Um, and in terms of communications from the trust, 97% um, of you say that you, that you read the trust newsletters, so thank you. Um, about 20% of you attend CST meetings on a, on a regular occasional basis, which I think is, is pretty good. So um, we'll be, what we've done in previous years and we'll do this year is that we produce a nice little glossy report. And we let the, the, the club and the press have a view of that first and then we distribute it to the membership. Um, that should happen in the next few weeks. I need to talk over the timetable with, with Chidge, um, but you should, should get the information in a few weeks. But if you've got any questions, I'll try and remember, remember off the top of my head what was in the, what was in the survey this time. Okay, thanks for doing it. <laughs> Should not underestimate the amount of work that's involved in, in producing and uh, analysing the survey. Okay. I should, also, sorry, I should also say thank you very much to Ramsey, who's not here, for helping me with the survey this time. Yes. It's Ramsey, Ramsey Samash, yeah, thank you. Okay, so the next issue is over to Paul talking about board elections. Yep, so <laughs> unlike last year, this year's election process has been contested as there are 11 candidates standing for nine positions. Um, this will follow the same form as it did in our first year, which basically means that hopefully by tomorrow morning you'll, everyone in, in the Trust will receive a unique link to a SurveyMonkey site where they'll go on and they'll be able to vote for their preferred nine candidates there. Um, manifestos are the only representations that the candidates have been able to make. They're... Um, Available in paper form here, if anyone hasn't got one and wants one, but they will be available electronically when you get emailed the link. Um, it's been agreed by all of the board members that they're not actually going to read these out today just because it would be a pretty time-consuming process and, and pretty tedious. And, <laughs> and given, given that it's not actually being voted on today at this moment, it seems appropriate for that, that step, those steps to be taken, really. So... Um, if anyone has had has read through the manifestos already and has any particular points on any particular manifestos they want the candidate to clarify, I think most are here today and would be able to do so. But, yeah, if not, then we'll, we'll, we'll move on. But unless there's any more questions about the process. Thank you, Paul. So people will get the chance to vote on in the election and will also get the chance to vote on the AGM motions. Yeah, which We'll be in one package. That goes out tonight, tomorrow, and for a period of two weeks. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much, Paul. Conveniently, we now move on to 
just check my agenda. But I think we move on to them. Yep, motions from the from the board. I'm not proposing to read these out. Um, they were sent out a couple of weeks ago. We've got copies there if you want to see them, and obviously you can look at them when you're voting. A couple of them are procedural. Probably the most important is motion one, which is the approval of the accounts and the use of in the independent examiner. Using an independent examiner saves us a lot of money, if we, and given the lack of complexity of our accounts, having a full audit would, be, would probably cost us more than the membership fees that we raise. So, it would, you know, so, and by all means, go through the accounts. If you have any questions, ask us. But that's 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 motion one is the is the accounts. Motion two, we ask this every year. It's to, con to continue to affiliate to supporters direct and the football supporters federation. So this is a, a national national networking. On issues like ticketing, it's essential that we, we don't speak in isolation, that we work, we work more widely, and I would personally strongly recommend that people supported that, but obviously that's up to, up to people. And we then have a series of board motions. I'm not proposing to go through in any detail. It, there's one or two that there are points to be made on. The redevelopment is just asking, just basically saying, we're pleased with what we've seen and we want the mandate from our membership to go forward and do whatever is necessary in the next year to continue the dialogue and to put the views of our members over. I'm not proposing to really take questions on this because we've had a, a good debate already, a good discussion already on, uh, on the stadium. But motion four, I think on, the, on Chelsea pitch owners, I'd like to invite Charles Rose, speaking in personal capacity, but as a member of the CPO board, any points you may wish to raise on that, on that motion, Charles? Uh, <clears throat> thank you very much, Tim. Uh, I very much personally welcome this proposal to CST. Um, I think it chimes very much with my personal point of view, which is that um, C CPO is an organization and a company that is something that is part of our history, but part of our legacy to the supporters of the future. Now, for those of you who have been involved in the journey of travel since 2011, you will know that this has not been an easy path. For those of us who went to those meetings and saw the um, mishandling originally of the bid for to take over CPO by the club, for those of you who went to the subsequent meetings and saw the um, unfortunate scenes that we had and the anger that was shown on the, f on, on, on the floor of those meetings, I hope you will recognize that CPO has come quite a way since then. What we've tried to do is to establish credibility. Credibility um, not only in terms of turning around our finance. For the first time pretty much in the history of Chelsea pitch owners, we now earn, the, we earn our own income. We have managed to sell enough shares so that we have well exceeded now those shares that were oversold at the, at the time of the previous bid. We have got an organization that we can justifiably say to the club does have at its heart Chelsea supporters of the past and Chelsea supporters of the future. But the next few months are going to be absolutely crucial, in my view, to Chelsea pitch owners and indeed to the Chelsea supporters' base. I think that it's fair to say that it, with the redevelopment of the ground that you could expect that the current owner will be consistent in his view that as part of that, that they may want to take the ownership of Stamford Bridge. I, as a company director, have a duty legally to consider any bid that comes in 
in the interests of the shareholders of that company. But I have to say today, and I have said this to other directors, that I cannot envisage any bid that would be in the interests of those shareholders. But obviously, legally, I would have to consider that. But if you take that idea on board and you take that whole uh, journey of travel forward, then we as Chelsea supporters have got to get behind CPO and ensure that CPO has a future in our hands. It guarantees not that we're worried about the current owner, but what happens the day after he leaves, what happens the year after he leaves, the decade, what happens to owners down the line. We only have to look at Portsmouth, we only have to look at Leeds, we only have to look at Rangers to actually think of the worst thing that could happen to this club. If we were ever to go into administration, the name Chelsea Football Club would come back to Chelsea Pitch Owners. We would have a home to go back to. That is something that is uh, not unique because I think Swansea have a similar ownership, uh, not a similar ownership structure, but one that is um, almost equivalent. But there are many fans throughout the country, I think you would uh, think that this was a wonderful thing to have. It is down to us to protect it. But if we're going to do that, then we're going to have to act together. We have to be responsible, and I think we have to also rein in some of those people who may be, how can I put it, voices that are uh, a little loud and irresponsible that ultimately will turn off our fellow fans to supporting us. We have to put forward a cogent case for the future, and I believe that the board of CPO will do that. I'm very happy to take any questions you've got. I know that people have um, reservations about uh, the way that we run things, about some of the events that we run, about the affordability of those things. But all I can say is that what we're trying to do is to maintain that credibility so that if the fight comes, then we're ready to do that. Any, any questions for Charles? Yes or no? Yes, kind of. Um, I, I take your point about certain voices speaking longer, louder than others, but I think if the board of the football club were to approach CPO shareholders with a proposal that was anywhere halfway sensible... I think this time, given the fact that we are looking at a rebuild of Stamford Bridge, which was what they were telling us couldn't be done in 2011, I, I think most fair-minded shareholders would vote for such a proposal. But I, I think it has to be, if they were to vote for such a proposal, it would have to be done in such terms that we didn't just hand it over and, oh, oh by the way, we're not going to build the ground after all. That's always been my biggest concern. Uh, yeah, as you say, it's, it's not about today. It's not even about next year. It's about what happens further down the line. But I, I think that the people of whom you speak don't actually have nearly as much influence as you think. Uh, I would agree with that. Um, I don't think they do have that sort of influence. But unfortunately, the effect of what they might do would be to turn people off of the actual um, uh, support that we would hope to gain. I think that what you say um, does have a certain resonance that uh, it may well be that um, the owner in approaching CPO this time, uh, if he would come up with, a, with, a, with an offer that actually makes sense this time rather than the sort of cobbled together nonsense that we heard before, 
that that might have a resonance. All I can say is that this time, um, what we have is a CPO board, a lot of whom, I can't speak for all of them, but I think you know who they are, a lot of whom are actually in support of keeping CPO going. You can rest assured that we're going to be establishing a case financially and in terms of all of the other aspects of it that makes sense to the, to the owner in saying there's a lot of good reasons why you don't need to take over CPO. Financially, I don't quite get why they would need it. We are being told again and again that the value of Chelsea Football Club now is in the brand. Now, that may not quite chime with the way that we like to think of our football club, but that is, that, that's a reality, that if the, if the value is in the brand, why do you need the real estate? Yes, I mean, that, that's actually, uh, I think several people in this room also attended the CPO AGM back at the end of January. And I, I know that it was very much the feeling of the board then that, oh, you know, it sort of would, wouldn't need the lease. So I, I cannot understand why they did. I remember we're, we're saying, oh, you know, I can't understand why the club would want to make an offer. But it seems from what you are saying that this is likely to happen now. Is, is this in your personal, your views only? <laughs> Do you think this is likely to happen? Um, I would think that, as I said, that if the owners are being consistent with their previous thinking, that we could envisage that a bid might be made. Um, I think that what we ought to try and do, perhaps, is head them off at the pass, is actually to talk to them and say, if you do this, then you're going to actually risk poisoning the well, as it were, that you're going to um, actually cause a debate amongst Chelsea fans that you don't need. I would never support the sort of action that we saw at Newcastle, where we have demonstrations in the ground that affect the team playing. But if you do then start to create a situation whereby you have Chelsea fan against Chelsea fan, the board against the fans, the owner against, you know, that that actually causes trouble. We need as a club to be going forward. There's a lot of great things that Chelsea do, and there's a lot of great things that we can do if we rebuild this ground. And if we go forward with all of us united behind that, then that is a much stronger case than it would be if you've got dissenting voices or dissenting bodies. And for me, that's one of the arguments that we should be using to the owner and indeed to the club, if they're involved in this, to say that's why we should actually, you know, you should, you should drop any ideas that you may have of doing a takeover of Chelsea pitch owners and let's work together to actually create a situation going forward which, which everybody's happy with. Um, I just wanted is if they go ahead with the redevelopment of the ground, is is anything contingent on agreement from Chelsea pitch owners to to go ahead and do that? Or presumably, if they're leaving the pitch intact, that's right. Okay, um, Chelsea pitch owners own um, they don't own just the pitch. We own quite a lot of the real estate, and I mean quite a lot, not the whole real estate upon which Stamford Bridge is based. So. As with any property, as with any land up and down the country, I can apply for, a, for planning permission on your house, on your uh, industrial estate, on, on, on Buckingham Palace if I want to, but that doesn't mean that I can go and suddenly build on it. So as owners of Stamford Bridge and part of this particular ground, they have to come to us and get an approval from us. And quite what we attach to that is, is up for debate. And... Um, 
you know, what will happen will, will happen. Teresa. I'm sorry, I've just thought of something else. Um, if Chelsea are having to play away from Stamford Bridge, will the Borders of Football Club have to get permission from Chelsea pitch owners to use the name Chelsea FC? Because they won't be playing here. Um, I, right. I can't give you an unequivocal answer on that. I can give you one that is off the top of my head, so this comes with all sorts of caveats. But I would think that is it, because um, as part of the lease, uh, the, the whole purpose of Chelsea pitch owners is for football to remain at, at Stamford Bridge and for Chelsea to remain playing at Stamford Bridge. And if they go away from Stamford Bridge without our permission, as I understand it, the name Chelsea Football Club then reverts to Chelsea pitch owners and they have to play under the name of... Twickenham FC or Twickenham Warriors or whatever they want to do. So I would presume that would be the case, but this is all part of the discussions I would imagine that we will be having. Right. Thank you very much, Charles. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, we'll rattle through, hopefully, through the, the, the other motions. We've got one on atmosphere and safe standing. We've, we've done work talking to the club, working with other groups like um, We Are The Shed and, and, and other groups, and we'll continue to, want to continue to do so. We know it's come up in the survey. A lot of these motions are reiterating what the things that came out in the survey, but it's just really getting a mandate from, from our members to continue to work on that. And the same applies for Motion 6 on ticketing and, indeed, Motion 7 on ticket touting. It's, it's about giving our members giving the, the new board the, the mandate, the opportunity to, to, to work hard on these issues, to make it clear what you want. We know from the survey that there's a, that supporters you know, ha, have concerns on these issues, and this is really it's not, it's not a formality. We do actually need people to say, yep, we want you to work on our behalf on that. Because if people voted against it, then it would not be a priority for the, uh, the new trust board. Safety advisory group number eight, we've already already covered and I think as I say now that we've got more stakeholders on board I think we've got more opportunity to to make that work I think one thing we probably failed a bit on is building up a relationship with the council and the MPs um, and what have you but actually looking at the list of the people we'd want to engage with most of them are actually on the uh, safety advisory group so that's motion nine and you know we have had meetings with the Premier League. Cliff and I went to one last month. We have had meetings with the Football Association. We love to have meetings with uh, broadcasting organisations. Hopefully that's the sort of thing that Supporters Direct and the Football Supports Federation can make happen. The Department of Culture, Media and Sport, the, the new sports minister is actually a sports fan, Tracy Crouch, and unlike her predecessors going back about 30 years, does actually appear to care about supporters. So I think there is an opportunity that, that they will start to listen to supporters' issues and actually start to take, take things more seriously. We will have to wait and see, but she's been quite open that she thinks that more Premier League money should be used on, to, be, to benefit supporters and not just disappear into the pockets of players and agents. Now, the proof of the pudding's in the eating, but we shall see, see what happens there. And the final one is a sort of catch-all around football in the community as and when, working with, with, uh, with local groups or s supporting specific campaigns. Last year, we, you know, the, the Playfair Qatar campaign, other things are bound to arise during the season. It just gives us a mandate to work on those issues uh, as they go through. 
so if there's any hopefully it's been it's the questions the sorry the motions are fairly clear if there are any questions I'll happily happily take them um, and we'll just await with interest the results I've got a question for you Tim um, in, re in uh, really in, in relation to motion 10 uh, football in the community but it occurred to me I mean quite fresh in the mind after last night and, and the issues we've got with the pubs and the gardens being shut because of the local residents I think we need to make more of an effort to try and get some sort of dialogue with the with the local community and I think that means the the local residents associations because it appears to me there's a massive disconnect between what we want and what they complain about I mean I would tend to agree we did what I mean is over and above us sticking yeah. leaflets in yeah. the door, which I think yeah. was was kind of good from our point of view, but I don't really think it actually okay. you know achieved anything tangible. And I think I remember we did discuss this actually at yeah. board meetings that perhaps the way to go is to actually have proper dialogue with them, and that means the residents' associations. Yeah. Okay, I mean I, it's for the new board to decide, but I do I think that that's a fair point. That's something we probably should have done more on last year but you know, yeah and, and possibly some of the local businesses i mean you know yeah. wrote the pubs into that because yeah. it's just crazy what's happening at the moment i mean it does seem every year that another three or four pubs go you know the, and the nature of the restaurants and bars is changing and, and what mm. have you but that, a lot of that is commercial well, that's very true yeah. but i think actually it's quite a pertinent and, and a relevant thing to do now it being yeah. that we're not going to be here for three i mean yeah. we were kind of joking yesterday about it'll the joke will be on them because when we go away for three years we'll come back and they won't be in business but actually maybe a more constructive yeah. thing is actually to talk to them you know maybe a bit of quid pro quo and help each other here yep okay that's a fair point um sorry just looking back at the agenda one point neil raised is that the the room and the sandwiches were provided by the club, and we're very grateful to them. Because it's an annual general meeting, it's a more formal meeting, this is a more appropriate venue. The special general meetings, we have them in the Fimbra, and that's fine. But there is a formality around this meeting that we don't have with the others. So I, I am appreciative of the, of the, of the club so giving, giving us that. Um, we're now on to any other business. We were asked, Cliff and I were asked by Charlton Trust... I don't know if anyone saw the programme about West Ham and the uh, Olympic Stadium, but Charlton, for whatever reason, not quite sure why, have got a real bee in their bonnet on this. And I think Orient have got a bee in their bonnet and Tottenham. And it's clear that West Ham, have, at the very least, have been given a very favourable deal. And they're not saying that we should have a motion on it, but it's just saying that this is something they feel this season... It may be something that trusts can work on. I mean, you, we, you were in the discussion with them. It, it's, we wouldn't be able to do anything on our own, but I think it's something we can support the, the work of others. Sorry, can I just quickly yeah. say, um, <clears throat> if you check on the um, CSD social media channels, that programme on, on BBC yeah. One still available on iPlayer okay. for the next few days, I think. Okay, thanks, Ross. I think talking to the Charlton guys the other week, uh, Charlton Supports Trust guys, they, they, they were just looking for sort of cross-London, yeah. at least support from other trusts. Um, I'm not sure that they felt that it directly affected Charlton Football Club, although there was there was some issue about the, that West Ham might dump tickets on the local community, whereby mm -hmm. they gave them away for, for a pound or even free, and it would get local supporters along rather than going to the likes of... Charlton, but more, more importantly, I think uh, Orient. Yep. Um, but I think the biggest bee they had in their bonnet about it was it was taxpayers' money, and this these times of austerity, everyone's yep. lo looking to 
um, be told, you know, they can't do this and they can't do that money-wise. West Ham were getting some fantastic deal out of this. And the fact that they charge two or £2.5 million a year rent and then they largely get that back in expenses that are being paid for them by the, um, the, the company that owns the Olympic Stadium, just beggars belief, basically. Yep. Um, so I think, I think from, certainly from what I gather from the Charlton guys' point of view, they were looking at it more as a, as a taxpayer's okay. issue, if you like. But it's, it'd be interesting to see where this one goes. But it does appear to be a head of steam growing on this one. I've only got. I'll, I'll open it out to any other business to anyone else. I think, from our point of view, from the, the trust board point of view, we are losing a number of members. We're losing Teresa and Ross. Teresa, both of whom have been involved from day one, well before we were set up. When we first had our f- first meeting at the, the, the Barrow, was it, what was named the Wars, wasn't it? Barrow Boy, <laughs> yeah. you know. The ex-Barrow boy, the Barrow boy as was, the block, the block of flats that will be, yeah. Um, and, you know, they were involved before that. They've done a lot of work in getting us where we are, as has Stuart Kinner, our treasurer, who's not here today, but has done an awful lot of work behind the scenes on, on, on financing issues and in, in terms of the treasurer getting all that set up and in terms of, of, of the website. Ross has done an enormous amount of work on, on social media our social media presence if you compare it with other trusts is actually extremely active i think there's been a lot of lot of lot of interaction a lot of work there if it wasn't for Teresa, the trust board wouldn't have met they wouldn't have had minutes they wouldn't have had we wouldn't have had meetings we wouldn't have had social (coughs) events and they've also been as i say they've been there from day one they've been supportive in any voluntary organization people move on it's a shame they're going i just like for the two of them and for Stuart in his in, a, in an absentia, just a round of applause and say thank you very much. Okay, so before I hand over to Dan to talk briefly about the the, the, the quiz, which I'm hoping you'll all come to, because it, it should be a good a good session. Is there anyone got any board members or anyone else got anything else they'd like to raise while we're here? Martin. It's just one really for the trust and possibly more the atmosphere people here. Um, this season marks the 20th anniversary of the passing of Matthew Harding um, coming up and the 10th of Peter Rosgood. I don't know if you're doing any anything for that That's at all. That's a good all. point. No, it's a very good point. Sorry. It's also the um, 60th anniversary of the naming of the shed. Yep. Next. S- September the 7th, 1966. Yep. 50th, 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 but sorry. Yeah, Cliff, Cliff Webb's letter in progress. You're, you're on it, are you? Yeah, good, good, because that should certainly be marked. But no, it's a good, very good point. Sorry? Okay, is anyone... Wayne? So just on the on the point of um, losing members, uh, I mean, sadly, so, so a lot of people will be aware here already that um, a new CST member, uh, Kareem Kassam, yep. uh, died after a short illness um, a few weeks ago. Yep. So, you know, he was a good good friend of mine, and um, yep. I'm sure we all join we in do. sending condolences to his family. He came. To, he did come to trust meetings. He was the guy who had the Chelsea 1966 striped shirt when he came, when Rick did the questions and answers. So, you know, a lot of us knew him, 
and it was t terribly sad news to hear that. Terribly sad. Okay, thank you, thank you, Wayne. Just to say that the, I haven't looked at the fixtures. I probably should have done. Now that the November ones are out, the new board will fairly soon fix the date of the next special general meeting, which will probably be mid mid to late November. But and what? Let me guess. It's a four o'clock. Is that a Saturday? Right, okay. Right, anyway, we, it, it, will, it, it will be announced when the new board... New board no, it's at home on a Saturday at 3 o'clock. Yeah. No, the, well, the November games have been announced. So I can say with some certainty, I think, that the next SGM, assuming the, we can get the room, will be after the Norwich game in, on the 21st of November because it fits in time-wise and 3 o'clock Saturday is obviously the best ones for for us to have meetings, but the new board will, will confirm that. Right, well, I haven't got anything else. If no one else... Oh, yeah. Ross? Uh, we had a comment uh, from Dave on social media about the club's partnership um, with Uber and what and what if there's anything anyone would like to say about that. He's, he's, he's a uh, black uh, yeah. taxi driver and uh, would like to raise his objection to it. It's a difficult one because, I mean, I, I have a personal view on it and I know other trust board members do... It's. I think maybe it's something that the new board should discuss because I'm I'm uncomfortable about it. But it's not, you know, whether it's something the trust can do. There are other people who would probably have a different view as well and would say that Uber is a good thing. So you you've got to be careful with these. It's not. But, uh, Cliff. Yeah, just um, to add to the the Uber uh, the Uber deal, it was when it was announced, <clears throat> they'd done a competition. I think um, in ten cities across the world. Um, that people registered with their app or something and they got uh, the new Chelsea home kit delivered to their address within those 10 cities and it was worldwide it didn't it didn't come into this country at all so i think from what i can see the uber deal might be more inclined to encompass okay. worldwide rather than lo lo local people but okay. it's not to say that it's arguably not a bad deal but we have made a note of it, and we will. The, the new board will discuss it at the first meeting. Yep. So, just to add to the SGM coming up in November, we um, we had, as Tim said before, we had the local police, um, football supporters unit, and inspector, and the local officer at one of our meetings last year. And so, from uh, hopefully in November, we're going to get the other side of uh, of the of the agenda, if you like. Um, Melanie Cook and Alison Gurdon that both um, represent football supporters who have been in trouble and have got banning orders put against them and we're hoping to get them along to give the other side of the coin, if you like, and uh, how the legal process works and what you can do if you do get into trouble at football. OK, thanks very much, Cliff. If there's not any more, we said we'd last two hours. It's exactly four o'clock. Thank you all very much. And we'll pass over to Dan to talk about the quiz briefly. Hello everyone in SW6. Um, hopefully you'll all be able to come down to the Fimbra because it has some fantastic ale on, but also I'm going to ask some questions for a Chelsea quiz. If they've got any ale left, yes, okay. Which they didn't last night, I know, yeah, okay. So we'll make it an ale quiz instead, shall we? Okay. Where's it gone? Uh, it will be standard pub quiz format. We're going to have four rounds and a picture round. It'll just be a little bit of fun. Hopefully we get some beers in. Um, and uh, if you're very lucky, you'll get the opportunity to tell a journalist that he's got his facts wrong. <laughs> uh, don't, don't, don't worry. There are prizes. Don't worry if you're here on your own, because I'm sure 
teams can be cobbled together. We're all friends here. Um, see you down there. Yeah. Oh, and for people listening on the, the wireless, um, I understand, and on Twitter, I understand we're going to be able to get this, these questions tweeted out live so you can participate as well. Not for, not for prizes, just for fun. But if you want to buy the Quizmaster a beer at any point in the future, you're welcome to do so. Thanks, Dan. Thank you all very much. And hopefully everyone will head off to the Fimbra now or shortly, and we'll see you there. And we'll start, we'll start at the five latest. Yep. Okay. Thanks very much. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.